today, what we're going to be sharing about is something I think is really important. And it is that whole idea of perspective, of, of living with perspective. A number of years ago, I was invited to a church, and the pastor who was speaking there that day, I wasn't speaking, I was just there attending and visiting a friend. But the pastor invited me up to the front with another volunteer, and he gave us a plate. On this plate was one tube of toothpaste, one teaspoon, and one paddle pop stick. Then he said, squeeze all the toothpaste out of the tube onto the plate. And so he said, okay, we did that. And while we sat there with this plate with toothpaste on it, he says, now using the teaspoon or the paddle pop stick or both, I would like for you, when I say go, to get as much toothpaste back into the tube as you possibly can in this allotted time. Um, now, because of my sausage fingers, I couldn't have the, uh, the ability to do that with finesse. So what I did is I, I grabbed the teaspoon and I shoveled all of the toothpaste into my mouth. And then I grabbed the empty tube and I then proceeded to try and push all the toothpaste from my mouth back into the tube as, as much as I could in the few minutes that we had. Now, did I win? Yeah, I, I actually won. I got a little bit back, not, not much, but I did get some back into the, into the tube. Uh, what did I win? Well, I, I won a handshake from the pastor. I, I, I won minty fresh breath, and, and I won a fairy burnt throat from having to swallow all the toothpaste that I just put in my mouth. Now, a guy came up to me afterwards and said, he congratulated me on winning, but then he said that was a very lateral way of thinking, the way you solved that problem, just by having a look at it, processing it. You had a different perspective on things, was the, the way he termed it. Now... I have had the privilege of seeing various people look at various problems, and they often have a different perspective of what is seen. Aaron's like this. I've noticed Aaron does this a lot. Aaron sees a problem, and what I see would be one perspective. What he sees would be something completely different, and he'll address it in that particular way. Now, in our walks with Jesus, if we don't have the right perspective on things, it can determine the next step that we're going to take. Therefore, if we or all we see is what God is not doing, then we totally overlook all the things that God has done and that God is currently doing now. If all we see is what we don't have from our perspective, then we'll totally dismiss or overlook all the things that has been given to us in Christ. If all we see are those things from our perspective of people who are not serving or are not doing anything, then we totally, once again, dismiss all the things and all the efforts that people are attempting to, that people have done or that people are doing in our lives right now. You see, not having the right perspective, or more accurately, not having God's perspective on the things that are going on, on around us, then I think we'll then need to have to take a step back. We would have to remove ourselves from the situation, have a look at it calmly, process it from the Word of God and from prayer, and allow God to reorient ourselves to view things from His perspective instead of our own. You see, today's passage that we're going to look at today is 
what I like to call it, like a diving board. It's like a springboard that we can launch ourselves off and draw from it a couple of truths, actually the same two truths that our sister Jo shared with us this morning, a couple of truths that directly apply to us in our current situation now. So let's open a word of prayer. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, and we'll see what the Lord has to teach us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, as Joe shared, that you are a God who sees, you are a God that hears, and you are a God that knows our current situation. We also thank you that you are a God that is completely in control of every situation that we are experiencing right now, and that we can take our comfort and our hope and our enthusiasm and our encouragement from you, even in all of this. We ask now that as we look at your word, you might open the truths of your scriptures to us to encourage our hearts. Um, as Joe shared, if we feel crushed, that you will bring restoration to us. If we feel hurt, that you will bring healing. Uh, that if we are broken, you will make us whole once more. Please, by your spirit, minister to us now. Meet us where we're at and bring us into your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, like I said, today's passage is a diving board to look at these couple of truths that God can teach us about our current context now. So if you turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 8, and I'm just going to read a few verses now before we get into our first few points. So I'm reading from the CSB, okay? This is what we read. When the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, Aram was a land that was in subjection to Israel, who had gained in power, and now there was just friction arising between these lands. So starting again, when the king of Aram was waging war against Israel, he conferred with his servants, my camp will be at such and such a place. But the man of God, that's Elisha, but the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, be careful passing by this place, for the Arameans are going down there. Consequently, the king of Israel sent word to the place the man of God had told him about. The man of God repeatedly warned the king so the king would be on his guard. Verse 11. The king of Aram was enraged because of this matter, and he called his servants and demanded of them, Tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel. One of his servants said, No one, my lord, the king. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, Even the words you speak in your bedroom. Here is the first of two vital truths that you and I can take from here. What the Lord knows. What the Lord knows. Long before the spy tech that enables you to listen to the conversations of your political adversaries. Uh, long before, for those of you who are my age, long before Maxwell Smart and the whole shoe phone that he used to have, long before the shaken, not stirred martini of James Bond, long before all of this, we are given a reference here by the king of Aram's servant of how the God of Elisha, he makes reference to this because he refers to Elisha, how the God of Elisha is able to hear the most intimate of things in the most private of places. You read in verse 12, Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in your bedroom. 
you think about that. It's the most private of places. It is where the most intimate of thoughts can be shared. It's where you have the freedom to be completely yourself. It is the one place, well, at least it should be the one place within your home, and in this case, in the palace, where there is no need for a false pretense. There is no need for a a false showing of who you are. In your bedroom is where everything that you are can be laid bare. And it is even here that the Lord sees. It is even here that the Lord hears. It is even here that the Lord knows. And he knows everything that goes from the, from the most intimate of things that you have in your mind to the most deepest of attitudes that you harbor in your heart. The Lord hears, knows, and sees these things. Psalm 139 verse 8, when David says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Jesus himself taught in Mark, he said, there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed. And nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. That's Mark 4.22. It's a reality that we know intellectually. Oh, God's omniscient. He knows all things. But I don't think it's a reality that we fully understand because of some of the choices that we make as if no one sees us. He sees and he knows, and as I shared, from from the the most intimate of thoughts to the most, uh, like, regretting or or deepest of attitudes that we harbor that is laid bare before God Almighty. He knows. He knows every aspect. We read in Psalm 33, verses 13 and 14, it says this, The Lord looks down from heaven. He observes everyone. He gazes on all the inhabitants of the earth from his dwelling place. He dwells in heaven, he dwells above all creation, and he sees and knows all the plans of mankind. In this case, in 2 Kings 6, he sees the plans of the king of Aram and what he seeks to do to Israel. And then he in turn reveals those plans to Elisha, who then tells the king of Israel to warn him. And it's here that I draw my first great encouragement. He is not a passive God that sits idly by. He is not an impotent God or an impotent ruler that is there just to make you feel good. No, he is a God that involves himself. And that with the knowledge that he has, he imparts to his servant, who his servant then takes and imparts to the one that it, is, that, that it concerns. And, and, and I like this because with our context that we are right now, when we do feel alone, when we do feel misunderstood, when we do feel hurt, he knows what you're feeling. He sees what you're going through. And then he in turn involves himself in your life. You know how I know this? Let's look at the broader picture. You know how I know this? I know this because of what he did for me in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, ultimately, ultimately, our destination is to be in his presence for eternity. And what he did when he saw us separated from him, what he did when he saw us lost and alone without him, when he saw and heard our state 
of being lost in our trespasses and sins, what did he do? He took that upon himself by becoming a man. He lived in perfection, fulfilling God's requirements. He died on a cross so that I might have my sin forgiven. And that as his resurrection from the dead, that confirmed my security with him as I placed my trust in him. And so even when I look around today and I see the tensions of what's going on in the world politically, I see the the tensions of what's going on in the Middle East, I see the tensions of what's taking place here with protests in Melbourne, attempted protests in Sydney. I look at all the tensions politically and everything that's going on, and I think, wow, that's that can be quite overwhelming. That can take our eyes off what God is doing. But we are not destined to remain in this physical form forever. He has taken the most extremist of lengths to enable us to be with him for eternity. We need to live with our eyes upon eternity. We need to look at our ultimate destination of being in his presence. That's what he has done. He knows our state and has prepared for us for our ultimate destination. Not in just the here and now, but for where we'll be in his presence. <clears throat> Pardon me. So, in Elijah's case, he doesn't stay on the sidelines. He gives him knowledge, and then Elisha, in that knowledge, does something with it, which is a charge for us, which is a challenge for us. We have been given the answer to life and to life's purpose and to life's existence. We've been given an information as to what results for humanity in true happiness of knowing God and serving him forever. So we then, like Elisha, when we've been given such information, are then to impart such information to others so that they too can come to know the same joy, the same purpose, the same life that we have now come to experience in Christ. Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. And what takes place, if you look back at Psalm 33, a little further down, it says this in verses 18 and 19. Look, the Lord keeps his eye on those who fear him, those who depend on his faithful love to rescue them from death and to keep them alive in famine. As Jo shared this morning, she shared how the eyes of the, of the Lord are on the righteous. That is what we have experienced in Christ. And this is the revelation we need to be reminded of continually. That he is the same God who hears our cries of need, just as he heard the cry of Ishmael when he was left for dead in Genesis 21:17. We read this. God heard the boy crying. And the angel called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. He is the same God who sees our loneliness and sees our isolation, just as he saw the the unloved and lonely Leah whose heart yearned to belong as we looked at God's grace upon her uh, a few weeks ago. Genesis 29, 31, Leah says this, The Lord has seen my affliction. Surely my husband will love me now. He is the same God who both hears and sees our state right now 
just as he heard and saw the state of the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt and as he sent Moses to deliver, to deliver them. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. If you are feeling, as Joe said, crushed or broken or hurt, the Lord knows your state. The Lord sees your state. The Lord hears your cry. And just as he was toward his children in Israel, he is concerned about your suffering. He's concerned about, your, about what you're going through. And he, in turn, encourages us to find, to find the answer, not in us trying harder, not in us solving it in our human effort, but in us looking to him, us finding our comfort in him, us knowing the promises of the word of God, us knowing the plan of God and where this situation fits in, re in regards to that plan. Thus, as seen here with the king of Aram, whose very words are heard and seen by the sovereign God, in the privacy of his own bedroom, so too are our words, our thoughts, our conduct, our attitudes, how they are laid out before our heavenly Father. And this is the blessing of knowing this truth. The blessing that what the Lord knows at this point in time is what you're feeling. What the Lord knows whatever that may be, about how, about how you're going through certain things, he, he knows that intimately. He knows the way you're thinking, whatever that may be. He knows that the, the, the knowledge of, of your helplessness, whatever that may be. He knows that whatever it is that you are fearful of, whatever that may be. He knows each of these circumstances for each of us. He knows it, he sees it, and he knows that we can overcome it through him and the power of his spirit. See, he, he knows all these things we're going through, but he also wants us to know this. As I shared a couple of weeks back, he wants us to know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He wants us to know that. He wants us to know that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And in Romans 8, 37, he wants us to know that. He wants us to know that he will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. He wants us to know that. See, for all the stuff that he knows about us and what we're going through and the discouragement we may feel and the hardship we might, might actually experience, he, yes, he knows all of those things, but he also wants, to know, wants us to know the promises of his word that enable us to overcome those things. He wants us to know the truth of 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there is no temptation that has taken you, but such is common to man. He wants us to know that he, he's given us a peace that the world cannot give. That he, gives it that, that he gives us that peace. He wants us to know that abundance of life is found in him. He wants us to know that. And he wants us to know that, yes, we can fight the good fight of faith. 
He wants us to know that we can enter his throne room of grace and, and ask for help in time of need. He wants us to know the promises of God that give us hope, that give us security, and give us direction in life. He wants us to know that and to act on those things. But we can take comfort. Yes, he knows. He knows. But how do I know this? Because the second important truth, what he does. If you look at 2 Kings verses 13 and we read down to, I'll read verses 16 and 17, okay? We read this. So the king said, so the king said, go, sorry, for verse 13, sorry. So the king said, go and see where he is. So he finds out, just a quick recap, he finds out that Elisha is the leak, basically. So the king said, go and see where he is, so I can send men to capture him. When he was told Elisha is in Dothan, he sent horses, chariots, and a massive army there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early and went out, he discovered an army with horses and chariots surrounding the city. So he asked Elisha, oh, my master, what are we to do? So the king of Aram is aware of this leak. That is called Elisha, and he seeks to plug that leak by sending an army to go and capture him. A step that gives Elisha's, uh, I guess you could say, cause for concern when he wakes up the next morning. So you have this massive army surrounding the city of Dothan. Elisha's servant wakes up, looks around, and sees everything around him. His limited vision when he was confronted by an obstacle that was directly in front of him. It was beyond the servant's ability to handle. It was beyond their resources to overcome. It was beyond their financial ability to pay off. It was beyond any physical aspect. And so he says, oh, my master, what are we to do? Is that not us today? Is that not us today, how we look at things and everything that's taken place in Australia and it gives us cause for concern because we don't fully understand what's going on? Is that not us today when we see the COVID numbers seem to rise day after day, skipping, like going up in the hundreds? Is that not us today when we remain locked away in our homes with our families? Is that not us today when we sit down and realize that I may have to get reskilled for a new career because I've lost my job? Is that not us today when we look overseas and see all the horrendous atrocities that are taking place in the world? Is that not us today that causes us to cry out to our God, Oh, my master, what are we to do? You may be feeling like that. I may be feeling like that. I know I have felt like that. What are we to do? And what follows from Elisha is the response of a man that has a perspective that went beyond the physical. Of a perspective that saw beyond what was directly in front of him and the immediate context that faced him. Because we read this in the very next verse, in verse 16. So this is verse 16 and 17. Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us outnumber those who are with them. Stop there for a second. 
Elisha says to his servant, his servant is just like me, or should I say I'm just like that servant. I see what's directly in front of me, and the first concern I have is how can I deal with this? How can I overcome this? What can I do that will enable me to to come out as victorious? Elisha looked at it and said, don't be afraid. Why? Because he knows something that his servant does not. He sees something that a servant doesn't see. He has experienced in his lifetime up to this point in ministry so much more than his servant has actually experienced. See, what Elisha sees by the grace of God, he was, he was privy to a reality that escaped his servant and that escapes us. And it was unknown by the army of Aram. And it was unknown, it, it can be unknown to us. It was unseen and known, unknown by all except Elisha. So you read in verse 17. Then Elisha prayed, Lord, please open his eyes and let him see. So the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw that the mountain was covered with horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. That's what Elisha saw. Elisha lived on a plane that was above the physical plane. Elisha had access to the heavenly realms that his servant did not have access to. From the prayer of Elisha, revelation was granted to the servant as the curtains of the physical were peeled back so the reality of the spiritual was made evident and plain for him to see. That the mountain was covered, was populated by the heavenly host that completely outnumbered that earthly army that they were surrounded by. It was, it was such a revelation that the threat that the servant saw would have been totally removed. He would have seen it and just thought, wow, it made and diminished the power of the army of Aram to complete insignificance. That's what came about from him praying. It's, it's like this. Uh, uh, this is a poor illustration. But it's like me and Nathaniel and, and all my family. Say all my family. So me and, and my six kids, we take a canoe and we, with bows and arrows and we come across, say, the, the, the Australian Naval Destroyer, the, uh, the HMS Brisbane. Okay? It's like us taking on the HMS Brisbane, HMS Brisbane with our canoes and bows and arrows. Yeah, we might, we might have a go, we might make an effort, we might make some noise, but ultimately we'll get wiped out. This is what happened with the, with the army of Aram in comparison to the heavenly host that were revealed for the servant and Elisha. But you see, this is what we need to understand. As I shared before, 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the power of the almighty God. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. We have access to the heavenly realms and support of God himself, irrespective of what's going on around us, that will enable us to overcome whatever it is that we are challenged with physically, whatever we are challenged with today. This is what we need to familiarize ourselves with. That if God is for us, who can be against us? Like I said before, that in him we are more than conquerors. 
we have weapons of our warfare. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. That the weapons of our warfare are not the weapons of the world. And they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. That we see the spiritual reality of God. That we see him working, even when it's unseen by the rest of the world. That we see the effects of the spiritual as we seek God his way and not our own. That as we submit to his spirit, that as we obey his word. And you read what happens. You read at the end of this passage how the spiritual has real world effects in the physical. You read from verses 18 to 23. Read with me. When the Arameans came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, please strike this nation with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to Elisha's word, then Elisha said to them, this is not the way and this is not the city. Follow me and I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to Samaria. When they entered Samaria, Elisha said, Lord, open these men's eyes and let them see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw they were in the middle of Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, should I kill them? Should I kill them, my father? Elisha replied, don't kill them. Do not kill those you have captured with your sword or your bow. I'm oh, sorry, do you kill those you have captured with your sword or your bow? Set food and water in front of them so they can eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a big feast for them. When they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away and they went to their master. The Aramean soldiers did not come into Israel's land again. You see the real world effects of the spiritual reality that Elisha and his servant were privy to. Now, for the Lord's people, they witnessed the protection and providence of God. Uh, Psalm 18:35a says this, Lord, you are like a shield to me that keeps me safe. And for many, uh, and for the army of Aram, they were humbled by God's power. In, in, in Isaiah 40, 14 verse 11, it says, All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. And they were also the recipients of God's grace, for by grace you have been saved. Now, look, these realities that have been experienced here or demonstrated here in the passage are realities that we need to understand and abide by. That that same spiritual host surrounds us as well. That the same power that Elisha got to partake of and demonstrate is the same power that has been placed in us by the Holy Spirit. That we can live in such victory as long as our perspective is right. As long as we are willing to look beyond our current situation to the God who's in control. Because what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us knowing that the Lord knows and what the Lord does? What does it mean for you and I? Well, this is where we take our encouragement. It means that the Lord knows what's going on. 
He knows what's going on in his universe. He knows what's going on in this world. He knows what goes on in each nation. He knows what's going on in this country of Australia. He knows what's going on in Sydney. He knows what's going on in your suburb, in Castle Hill or Beaumont Hills or Borkham Hills or Cherrybrook. He knows exactly what's going on in each of these suburbs that we're in. He knows what's going on in your homes. He knows what's going on in your hearts. He knows what's going on in your minds. He knows the darkest of doubts that you may be feeling. He knows the deepest of thoughts that you may be experiencing. He knows the real you right now. And even in that knowledge, he loves on you even more than ever. He loves on you with the grace that defies description. He loves on you to make you known and have, sorry, to, to comfort and to encourage and to strengthen you. He loves on you. He loves on you where other people may turn away. He embraces you as a loving parent does his child. That he is the one that loves on you as he commended his love toward us. That while we yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves on us in the way he provided a way for us as broken people to be made whole again and, and to be made new creations in Christ. He loves on you where he welcomes us into his family. The manner of love that we might be called the children of God. He loves on you where we can cry out to him and call him Abba Father. He, he, he loves on you where he calls us his own, where he says that I will be their God and they will be my people. He loves on you because this is all done in the person of Jesus Christ. Through him, whom we like the army of Aram, deserving of death, instead are recipients of grace and sustenance. And what am I, okay, once again, another quote, Tony Evans. He, he's like a preacher that's just full of some great illustrations. One of the illustrations he gives recently is when a dad takes his son to the zoo. And they go to look at the lion. And the lion lets out a huge roar. Just boom, a bellowing roar which scares the son and he takes off. His dad's going, where are you going? He goes, run dad, run. You've got to run dad, the lion, run. And the dad's just standing there at the fence, standing there, and he goes, come, come back here, come back. He goes, no, dad, the lion, run, dad. And then eventually he, he gets his son back. His son goes to him, dad, look, look at the lion. The dad says, I'm focusing on the cage. And the illustration he gives is this. He basically says, if you stare at the lion, it'll scare you. If you stare at the lion you'll be gripped up by fear. If you look at the cage, well, then you can handle it. In like manner, it's all where your focus is. We look at the COVID numbers. We look at Afghanistan. We look at the US. We look at difficulty. We look at hardship. But if we look at the Lord, well, then we can handle it. If we Look at him who knows us. 
if we look at him who has done for us, well then, yeah, we can handle it. And so, brothers and sisters, I would encourage you and myself, we need a change of perspective regarding our current state today. We need a change of perspective to, to make the deliberate intention to see what God is doing in this. Uh, one of the brothers I spoke this week, he said he is making the effort with the deliberate intention in this current context, with his work, with his family, with his children, with his neighborhood and community, he's making deliberate intention to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says it's not easy, but he's making the deliberate intention to do so. I heard a sister share how this is a great opportunity for us as brothers and sisters to pray, to seek God in this, to pray for other people, as shared last week, to fight on our knees. I spoke with one brother whose encouragement came from seeing a brother, Brad, lead the service and how encouraged he was, seeing, no, no offense to John O or Cass or anyone else, but to see another face of a brother or a sister in the Lord standing up, having Joe there this morning sharing from the MC, that was a great encouragement to see other people be doing things and, and to serve in whatever capacity they could, even from their own homes. But how encouraged they were in that. You see, that all comes from having a different perspective, from having a divine perspective, most importantly, yeah, to, to have God's perspective. This means we have to make the effort to have our vision in the right place. Because when there is this obstacle in front of us which just seems to be growing, know this, know this, that when we cry out, oh, master, my master, what shall we do? Know this, that our God gives us the same charge that he gave Elijah that we pray to have our eyes opened to see the reality of who is around us, of who is behind us, of who is with us, of who is for us, so that we can walk and live and stand in victory. That we might be in Christ. So with that, brothers and sisters, that is my encouragement for you today. And that with this new perspective that we ask God to give us, we might then act accordingly, act in obedience, and live in a way that honors him. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go. So with that, brothers and sisters, have yourselves a blessed day. Let me close in prayer, and then we'll, uh, we'll see you guys at the AGM. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of Elisha. We thank you that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And whilst we might be like Elisha's servant that only sees what is in front of us, I pray that you will open our eyes to see that greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. That we might see the heavenly host and the power that's available to us in Jesus Christ to overcome to be more than a conqueror through him who loved us, to find our security and our hope and our joy and confidence in Jesus Christ. Please open our eyes to see these beautiful truths so that we might live in victory and live in the abundance that you have given us. Father, please help us now. I continue to pray for Afghanistan. 
and ask, Lord, for the pastors over there, for the Christians that are standing strong for you, I ask, Lord, that you will have your divine hand upon them, that they will be a testament of your goodness and of your love and of your greatness. I pray, Father, that everything that's going on over there, Father, will be settled. Most importantly, Lord, that people will come to know you, that in the darkest of times, the light of the gospel will shine its brightest. So we commit your people to you now. We commit ourselves to you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.